I'm back. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB coming to you back from home um, here back in Atlanta. Thanks very much for all the prayers for my brother-in-law. His back surgery went overwhelmingly well. He uh, was up walking better after the surgery than he was before he had the surgery, even though he had major back surgery. It was amazing. The miracle of modern science. So thanks very much. And I'm glad I was able to get home. My goodness gracious, folks. Uh, it, it, the airport turned into a third world hellhole overnight. I mean, we're, we're in church and I guess I, I get the text message. Um, I, or the, the notification, I think it was in church. Uh, and I was using my phone as, uh, my Bible and, uh, that there was a situation at the Atlanta airport power situation and well, good grief. So I'm sure you've all heard the news by now. It was a fire underground facility, uh, there appears that there may have been a contractor involved and it just, I mean, sent the airport into the dark ages. I'm tempted to say literal dark ages, but in any event, uh, before I begin anything else, I want to, in all sincerity, say thank you, Chick-fil-A and Dan Cathy. If Dan Cathy ran for governor, I'm pretty sure all the Republicans and Democrats alike would step aside. Uh, he rallied Chick-fil-A, a company that the uh, that uh, so many people in this country, because of politics alone, hate. Uh, he rallied that company, which closes on Sunday so its employees can have a day off. And Chick-fil-A and its employees fed thousands of people for free. And there is a crazy, insane juxtaposition in this in that the Atlanta airport and the police closed the ingress into the airport. You could not get to the airport. Everyone was forced to ride MARTA. MARTA is a government-run enterprise. And people were forced to pay MARTA to leave the airport. It was not a free ride on MARTA. Contrary to some claims, it was not a free ride. People were having to use MARTA to leave the airport. Meanwhile, the private corporation, Chick-fil-A, was giving away food for free. There is your good Christian people doing what the Lord would have them do, as opposed to the government handling things. Uh, and yet there are people who would rather the government instead of private enterprise control their lives. Um, this was a great juxtaposition and good for Chick-fil-A uh, that they did this. And thank you to the many employees of Chick-fil-A who decided to go in on an off day and rally to a cause and help a ton of people who really needed help uh, who were stranded overnight. Um, this was a disaster of epic proportions. And one of the things that has been revealed here is that the Atlanta airport without power is incapable of helping handicapped people. There are no ramps. I mean, if you've never been to the Atlanta airport, and I am more and more mindful of the number of people I encounter who listen to the show who never have actually flown, you go into the main terminal to check in, drop your bags, and go through security. And then, unless you're on the T-concourse, which is connected into the terminal, you have to go down a very long escalator to catch a train system or you can walk between the concourses. And when you get up on the other concourses, you're there. The only way to get back to the terminal is via escalator or elevator. 
And if there's no power to the escalators or the elevators, there are no ramps by which anyone on a wheelchair can depart the airport or anyone who has trouble walking. And just a, a kudos to the TSA agents who were helping the elderly uh, navigate the escalators who would have otherwise taken elevators with walking sticks and whatnot. Uh, that was very, very commendable. There were a lot of just brave people who rose to the occasion. I had a number of friends who were stuck there yesterday. So I, I've got a friend of mine who was flying back from Europe and was on a 10-hour flight, landed at the airport, and sat on the plane for another five hours. Stuck in Atlanta um, that long unable to get off the plane, and she said that the passengers on her plane and the crew all handled it uh, with good humor, um, that there was not a massive griping, complaining, no one trying to open the, the doors and slide down the plane. I don't know why they didn't allow people to slide down the slides to, to get out. I it, it was What we saw here is that the Atlanta airport was absolutely incapable of handling this. A uh, heck of a parting gift uh, from Kasim Reed to the new mayor. But I, I got to tell you, though, a lot of people are throwing Kasim Reed under the bus on this. And it is it's it's not his fault. And I know as a as a he's blocked me on Twitter. There's no love loss here. Uh, he's he's done a lot wrong. But this this isn't a Kasim Reed problem. This is an airport authority problem. Uh, there were chinks in the armor that should have been diagnosed and weren't diagnosed. There should have been backups. There should have been generators. There should have been the ability to reroute power. And none of that was apparently there. But this isn't a Kasim Reed problem. Uh, th this is an airport authority problem. And I realize that we in Atlanta, we want to bring the mayor into all the problems. When it snows, we want to bring the governor into all the problems. But it, it, you really can't blame him here as much as some people want. Now, to the, to, to the extent he's appointed people to the airport authority who are incompetent, okay, um, but there's a larger problem here than blaming uh, one elected official on his way out the door. And this is a, a wholesale systemic problem with the airport that should not have existed. There is no way that this fire at the underground facility should have been able to shut down the world's busiest airport. It is not the nation's. It is the world's busiest airport. And the rest of the world was looking on this with amazement. And frankly, the American media did a terrible job reporting on this. Uh, I, there were a lot of international news outlets that were covering this better than American news outlets who looked at it as an Atlanta problem. This is one of the biggest things to have happened in Atlanta since Sherman burned it down. And we should be paying attention to it. When the world's largest airport uh, can't get planes in or out because it lacks power, toilets literally overflowing, raw sewage spilling out into the floors of the bathrooms in Atlanta, it took them until almost midnight to get the power on. Thousands of flights canceled, tens of thousands of people stranded, if not hundreds of thousands of people stranded, airport hotels at max capacity. By the way, that's another issue we're going to need to deal with here in Atlanta. And this airport situation shows it in a way uh, that I have talked about, but it's hard to demonstrate. We are at maximum hotel capacity in Atlanta. I have experienced this now uh, at least a dozen times in the last year and probably a dozen times last year as well, where at the last minute I've needed a hotel room in Atlanta. And it's not that they are outrageously expensive. It's that they don't exist. Um, I... 
needed a hotel room a while back because the weather was atrocious outside and it was foggy. And the closest hotel room available was past my house, an hour from the station. I I would have had to drive further. And so I wound up um, going through the, the weather. Uh, so one reason I keep thinking, hey, if I win the lottery, I'll get a crash pad in Atlanta. But nonetheless, uh, you, you get my point. The, the, we are maxing out capacity regularly in Atlanta. We don't have the hotel rooms to accommodate something like this, which is hopefully a once-in-a-lifetime event. But you never know. Uh, given the competencies of the people who run the airport, you never know. Um, there are real incompetencies here. And again, I don't blame the mayor of Atlanta for this, but um, I, I would imagine if there really were contractors involved, someone's going to jail, someone's going to bankruptcy court. And I, I wonder how many people should be fired uh, from the airport management uh, for the situation. This is a situation that you can say it's an accidental situation. You can say it's a one-off event, but this is a situation that demands massive accountability given it, it was had a globally economic impact, global economic impact from this. Given the amount of flights, uh, the cargo airliners who couldn't leave, the people who were trying to get to other parts of the world who couldn't go, this was a very significant event, and we shouldn't underestimate this event. This is massive, and uh, there's another question that needs to be asked. I realize it. I understand. I am seeing those of you who think that I need to to move on to other topics. This one's exhausted, but I'm, I, I got more to say on this airport situation. Y'all... There is a question that needs to be asked. I saw a couple of people mention it on social media yesterday. And my initial reaction was that I I think they're probably making too big a deal out of this. But as the thing went on last night until closer to midnight, did this, what happened with the Atlanta airport, jeopardize Atlanta getting Amazon.com? Did this jeopardize Atlanta being successful in bidding on the second corporate headquarters. Cause I got to tell you, uh, a friend of mine who knows these things and keeps his ear to the ground has said for a while that Denver was where Amazon was really looking. And that seems to be from what I've heard from other people as well, that Denver is where they're looking, but there's been the speculation about the, uh, the number of people who want to buy up property over near um, the the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and build it out, it matches the specs for Amazon. And now I'm hearing that that's actually a speculative buy by property owners who want to build it, hoping that Amazon will come and it's not actually Amazon involved. But I, I do think there is a real legitimate question here. Does, does stuff like this hurt Atlanta being able to get something like Amazon? I mean, can you imagine the massive corporations who have moved to Atlanta from Mercedes to to Porsche, Porsche, however you want to say it, uh, all of the others who have moved to the Atlanta area and their, their, their employees were stuck yesterday. Stuck. I mean, and, and this is the, one of the biggest travel weeks of the year, too, with Christmas being a week away. This does not help Atlanta's image. Uh, fire has now twice brought bad things to the city of Atlanta, uh, Sherman and whatever happened. Uh, and, and I, I do have to wonder, and this is unfair speculation. And I admit this saying this going in, this is unfair speculation, but still I'm going to say it anyway. 
Um, this was a Georgia Power facility that got caught fire. It, it, Georgia Power was not involved, it appears. But I wonder if this will influence the thinking of people on the Public uh, Service Commission over Plant Vogel. I, I wonder if in the back of their minds, um, some of them are going to be thinking about this when they try to decide whether or not to renew it. Uh, yeah, a few more thoughts on this airport situation when we come back. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Y'all know what? I got to apologize to you. I completely, in the last half hour, it didn't even, it, it just never even entered my mind, uh, largely because I was out of town when it happened last year, the interstate fire on 85. So we've had three times fire has brought disaster to Atlanta. Sherman. I-85 and the airport. And now a, a buddy of mine sent me a link to uh, Scott Truby's reporting at the AJC um, that there may not have been a contractor involved. Um, Georgia Power, this is a quote from this, Georgia Power believes that a piece of Georgia Power switchgear located in an underground electrical facility could have failed and started a fire. This fire was located adjacent to redundant circuit cables and switching mechanisms serving the airport, and those cables were damaged, resulting in the outage and loss of redundant service methods. So, 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 so. let me put this in English for you. There were backup systems in place for the airport, and the backup systems were located adjacent to the primary systems. And when the primary systems went kablooey, they blew out the backup systems. I've got to tell you that a cursory viewing of any Star Trek episode will remind you never to put the backups next to the primary systems. I mean, we don't have to live in the age of Star Trek to know that. This is, this is not a smart thing that happened. Not a smart thing at all. And guess, according to um, the AJC Political Insider column, guess who was stuck at Terminal Concourse C on a Delta jet? That would be Anthony Fox, the former mayor of Charlotte, North Carolina, transportation secretary in the Obama administration, highly regarded by both sides of the aisle, and he was not happy. Very unimpressed by what happened in Atlanta. I got to tell you who's got to be really upset with this, Delta. I mean, in addition to the normal headaches of, of passengers and everything else, Delta has got to be livid with what happened. Because Delta's got an image to maintain and Atlanta is its principal hub. You know, I was in, in Memphis. And Memphis was a huge Northwest hub. Delta bought Northwest and made a lot of promises to Memphis. And over time, despite all those promises, things change. And they wound down their their terminal. In, it's kind of sad to see. It is a ghost town. I mean, there's an entire, uh, there's an entire side of the Memphis airport now that's just gated off. Uh, waiting for someone else to adopt it as a hub. And you've got Delta has committed mass resources to Atlanta. The Atlanta airport is having this massive uh, building project. Uh, they want to add a sixth runway, which I think personally is a good idea. But when you got a situation like this, it really makes you wonder that they're going to have to now divert resources from all of those side projects to this. And not only that, but they're going to have to make sure that the backup systems are located elsewhere. They made it really vulnerable for terrorists. And I got to tell you, ISIS... 
terrorists are paying attention. I shouldn't say ISIS because we are largely wiping them out now. Um, even liberals are starting to take notice, and I want to get into that next hour. But here, in this situation, what happened in Atlanta, I almost said Memphis, what happened in Atlanta is really inexcusable. It is really not a good thing that something like this happened. And, I mean, that's that's obvious for you guys to know, but the economic impact of this, the fact that uh, the, the backup systems failed because they were all in the same location, the fact that there was no way to remove people in wheelchairs from the airport, all of these things, uh, the, the lack of hotel capacity in Atlanta is showing Atlanta to be far more vulnerable than people once thought. And I, I do have to say, you, you put this on top of the I-85 fire, uh, fire shut down a major interstate, fire shut down a major airport, both in the same city, shows you some serious weaknesses about a city that tries to put its best foot forward in attracting international corporations to move here. Uh, a serious black eye for, for the city of Atlanta. Um, I, I will, how do I say this diplomatically? Uh, I, 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 let's just put it this way. I will not shed a tear if this causes the scuttling of bringing Amazon to Georgia, the Amazon HQ. Uh, and for those of you who are new here and you're outraged by me saying this, here's my thing. Um, I think that Georgia is putting itself in a position with this proposal to Amazon that is not good for its taxpayers, despite their claims. Uh, I think that a lot of the job creation numbers are misleading because many of the jobs will be imported jobs from other places, not new jobs created here. I think that if they were to do as the city of Atlanta and the state of Georgia have proposed by putting it in the downtown area, it will vastly increase the cost of living for the people who live there and be a disservice to them, displacing lots of people from their homes, driving up property uh, rates in a way that even gentrification has been unable to do. Uh, I think that Atlanta will more and more, because it is Amazon, it be seen as a one corporate town, which will be bad for it overall, uh, just as Seattle is seen, even though Microsoft is there, it's more and more considered uh, the Amazon headquarters. And I think that bringing that many people in from out of state will fundamentally change the culture and values of this state in a way we cannot contemplate. And I think it is hilarious to watch Republicans trying to lure in massive numbers of businesses uh, whose employees coming in from out of state wouldn't pee on them if they were on fire. So I won't shed massive tears if Amazon looks at something like this and I-85 combined and says, oh, maybe we do need to really flirt with Denver. But that said, uh, it's still a, not a good situation and heads need to roll. I mean, I, I listen, I hate to be the guy on the radio saying something like that, but people need to be held accountable for this. Yes, it was an unforeseen accident, but the fact that they put the backup systems in the same place as the primary systems, uh, it's just that that's that was inexcusable and somebody needs to be held accountable. All right. I feel comfortable moving on now, having thoroughly exhausted the topic of Atlanta's airport, uh, despite people. People texting me saying I need to say other points as well. I Listen, there are lots of points to be made, um, but I'm going to consider that a wrap because we got to move on. Uh, there's another transportation uh, disaster. Uh, at least six people dead after the Amtrak train derailed in Washington. Oh, no, it's Maiden 
um, maiden voyage, I guess you could say. The first time it's taken the public on this route. Um, but there's other stuff to get to as well in that uh, the president has said very clearly he's not going to fire Robert Mueller, though there's been a coordinated talking point effort to say that Robert Mueller has stolen emails uh, from the Trump transition team. That's not actually true. I'll tell you what happened. You do need to understand what happened and, and how it could affect any prosecutions moving forward. Uh, we've also got this curious situation with the, um, oh, I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, my, my brain just went blank. Uh, the tax reform bill, uh, Bob Corker suddenly coming out for it. it. It turns out that there is a provision within the tax bill that could get Bob Corker some money, uh, could make him wealthy. That's actually being, uh, I think, a little bit mishandled. I really do. Uh, we got NBC or ESPN, John Skipper being moved out and the U.S. vetoing the U.N. call for withdrawal of the embassy to, to Jerusalem. God bless Nikki Haley. She told the U.N. today that uh, the United States will not stand for any other country to tell it where it can and cannot place um, uh, its embassy. So good for her. Uh, we've also got some other curious stories out there that I want to delve into, and uh, I'll bring you up to date on the the, the me and, and Fox stuff too. Um, but uh, nonetheless, um, when we come back, I want to first go to tax reform because it looks like it's going to pass. I will tell you the finals of the bill. It's not good news for Georgia Power, by the way, uh, which is just having a, a slew of bad news this week. I'll break it all down for you on the other side of the break. Welcome back to the exciting second hour where we can move beyond the Atlanta airport to all the other stuff we got to talk about. And let's begin with tax reform because I've got some information on this that I think you might find useful uh, regarding Bob Corker, who is under attack for a provision that got slipped into the uh, final tax package uh, th that helps people with real estate holdings. Reading to you from a Jonathan O'Connell Drew Harwell piece at the Washington Post, on Friday, lawmakers added a provision to the tax package offering a 20% deduction for income earned from pass-through entities, <coughs> excuse me, companies that don't pay corporate taxes, but pass through the income to be taxed as part of the owner's personal tax bill. Uh, Bob Corker will benefit from this. Uh, he will benefit somewhat substantially from it, although not as much as some have speculated. And he had been opposed to the tax bill and then suddenly on Friday came out for it. And people are trying to understand why did Bob Corker, who has hated this tax bill all along, uh, suddenly going to come out for it when it doesn't do any of the things he wanted it to do. And people found this provision and said, aha, this must be it. And I was one of those people. I am not a Bob Corker fan. But it appears that on its merits, um, Bob Corker is not to blame. Because when I noted that, a, a senior member of the Speaker of the House's team reached out to me and said Corker had absolutely nothing to do with this, that in his mind, this is a liberal talking point that is being generated to try to get Bob Corker to pull back from supporting it. And uh, that there's no validity to it because Corker wasn't involved and he's not going to be helped as much as people are claiming. Now, that got me to making other phone calls. And I have been told by several people that this was a provision in the House plan that the Senate took out for something else. 
and Senator Hatch and Kevin Brady in the House worked together to merge the two competing proposals into one, and they largely used the House's idea, not the Senate's idea. That Corker was, again, not involved, and it is essentially an idea that came from the House of Representatives, not from the Senate. So then, if this isn't it, why did Bob Corker decide to suddenly support the legislation? Well, some friends of mine in the Senate have credible speculation that I think should be considered. John McCain is not doing well. He has brain cancer. He has been at Walter Reed Hospital in Washington. And his doctors have sent him back to Arizona for rest. He says he is doing well. Prayers are with him. And I don't care who you are. And I don't care if you don't like John McCain. You should be praying for this man. Um, and if you don't believe me, I pray that you never have anyone in your family experience brain cancer. But, but, John McCain is in Arizona. And he would prefer to rest and not be forced to stay or go back to Washington to see this legislation pass. And so I have had now several different people in the Senate separately in phone calls with them tell me that they are under the impression that Bob Corker does not like the tax plan. And that the only reason Bob Corker is supporting the tax plan is because of John McCain, that he does not want, he knows that it could come down to him and that John McCain would have to come back to Washington. And he likes John McCain and is willing to take one for the team for John McCain. I do not know if that is true. What I do know is true is that he had no um, influence or it was not a part of putting this provision in the tax plan. Yes, it does benefit him. No, it doesn't benefit him nearly as much as some have said. Um, but again, there are a number of people in the Senate who are speculating credibly that the reason this is happening, that he's flipped, has nothing to do with the tax bill. He still doesn't like it and has everything to do with the fact that um, he's doing it so John McCain doesn't have to come vote for it. So let's move on now, dispatching the tax reform stuff, because again, I got a, a bunch of stuff that um, I'm, I want to get to, including this Comey thing. So here's the situation. James Comey, or I'm sorry, James Comey, uh, Robert Mueller, he did not steal emails, contrary to what some people are claiming, from the Trump transition team. He may have obtained them, and they may have been gotten through improper means, but he didn't steal them, and it wouldn't have been his fault. Here's what happened. Um, the General Services Administration handles the emailing of the transition team because you get a government account when you get elected president. Your transition becomes officially a, a government thing paid for by the government. You get government email accounts, and they're maintained by the uh, General Services Administration. The GSA got a request from the Mueller team for those emails and handed them over. If there was impropriety in handling them over, uh, the impropriety came from people who work for the General Services Administration not from the Mueller team. Um, the Mueller team, though, says that they reached out to the individuals who sent the emails and got their permission to obtain the emails. Uh, you should be hearing the words Mike Flynn there. Or 
they went through a court process and subpoenaed them and, and got uh, court-granted permission to get them. So if Mueller did these things, if he had the permission of the sender, the recipient doesn't matter. It's the sender that has to consent. And so if, if he got the, the, the emails from the, the sender, the sender handed over all their emails, uh, he's okay. If a court ordered that he be given the emails, he's okay. If there were liberal activists within the uh, General Services Administration who just handed them over, then Mueller has problems, um, but they're not his problems, except to the extent that if these emails are entered into as evidence against someone, if they're what is used to build a case, uh, then Mueller could be in legal trouble. The the fruit of ill-gotten gain there, if he had uh, obtained something and didn't have legal permission to have it, uh, then it could scuttle indictments against individuals. They could make a claim. If he is building a case around emails that he improperly obtained, then it could scuttle the case against those individuals. But Mueller himself would not be liable. He engaged in no no um, no lawful unlawful conduct by asking the GSA for for emails. They could have objected, and apparently they didn't. They handed everything over. So it's not on him except to the extent that it could undermine his case uh, against individuals. And it looks like Jared Kushner is still someone he is looking at. Um, and he, those cases are moving forward. It, what I am told and what others are being told, what Mike Allen at Axios this morning is reporting, is that the reason Mueller wanted the emails is he wanted to confirm details. That he had built lines of questioning for individuals based on his investigation, and then obtained the emails to see if they corroborated what he already had. And if that's the case, uh, there is no legal argument against the emails because he had built his case separate from and adjacent to the emails, and all the emails did was corroborate them. Um, now, there are some people saying that he then went in new avenues uh, based on the emails, and if he did go in different directions based on the emails then he could potentially be precluded from pursuing someone in court based on those new directions if, again, a court were to rule it was illegal. But the Mueller team is pushing back very hard on the story, saying they had court orders uh, allowing them to have access to all these emails, uh, except that there were some where the individuals who sent them had given their consent to begin with, or sent or received. So basically, you, you hand over your email inbox, and you're allowed to do that. Um, so... If Mueller's right, then this is much ado about nothing. If Trump's right, if Trump's team is right, then it's not Mueller's problem. It's the General Services Administration problem, and somebody there is going to be in a lot of trouble. But Donald Trump today is doubling down on the fact he has no plans to fire Robert Mueller. And so this is kind of a non-story looking for drama, but this, the drama is coming from the Trump team, not from anybody else. So Al Franken may not leave the Senate um, it was all well and good until the Alabama election was over, and now you got Democratic senators saying, well, you know, now that I think about it, maybe he should stay. It was all a setup. Why was it? Well, because it turns out that Republicans in Alabama were paying attention, and they were wondering why they should abandon their guy, Roy Moore, uh, when Democrats weren't going to abandon their guys. Um, they, they were making it all partisan. The, the Democrats were. And so the Democrats threw Al Franken under the bus. I keep wanting to say Al Gore, but Al Franken. It is not man, bear, pig, although he's behaved as a pig, apparently. Um, and now that the election's over, and Doug Jones, by the way, 
So Doug Jones, who's the senator-elect from Alabama, saying he doesn't think Trump should resign over sexual assault. He clearly didn't get the Democratic memo, or he doesn't care. Um, he's, he's, he's making all sorts of Democrats, man. But nonetheless, um, so Al Franken may not resign. You know, he never gave a date certain for when he would leave. And now you got uh, Joe Manchin from West Virginia who's having trouble with liberals wanting to challenge him. He's defending Al Franken. Uh, Pat Leahy has come out and says he regrets calling for Al Franken to resign. I wonder what the women think. They don't really care. It's all partisan politics. I told you it was all partisan politics. Democrats just trying to get the um, trying to get the upper hand, uh, the moral high ground on this, uh, without really meaning it. So anyway. Um, that's the, it just, the whole thing is laughably absurd. Uh, also, if you haven't heard, if you weren't here on Friday, I am leaving Fox at the end of January mutual decision. Uh, I really didn't want to stay. I, I don't feel useful to them. I don't feel like I'm needed. Uh, they also were not inclined to renew my contract. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm hard to box in these days because you know, I'm not a rabid supporter of the president. I'm not a rabid hater of the president, despite what some of you think on both accounts. I just try to call it as I see it. And, uh, all news networks, not just Fox, all news networks try to box people in as, as uh, Republican, pro Republican, Democrat, pro Democrat, uh, or anti Trump, pro Trump. And, I'm I'm very I'm uh, it's very hard to place me in these situations. So I'm I will not be there. Prayers are appreciated because I have no idea when it comes next. It's half the family income going away at the end of January, so I need something. Um but it's just that's not it for me. Uh when we come back, Barack Obama uh stopped law enforcement from stopping a terrorist group so that he could get an Iran deal. You know what? I'll get to the Barack Obama thing in a minute. I I'm going to I'm going to dwell on this for a minute. Um, as you are aware completely, if you listen to this program um, and you are of driving age, the internet did not exist when you were a kid. I mean, the iPhone only came out, what, 2007 or so? Yeah, 2007. I mean, when I was growing up, I am now 42. And I mean, if you're a, a decade of either side of me, really more than a decade, um, you didn't have the internet when you were a kid. And now our kids have the internet in the palm of their hand. Uh, the average age of exposure, this is horrific statistic, pay attention to this. The average age of exposure to pornography is now six years old among boys, eight among girls, six people, six and the average girl of the age 13 will probably send a, a, or I shouldn't say the average girl, it's something like 25, 30% of girls age 13 will send a naked picture on Snapchat. Uh, 30% of girls who use Snapchat. Uh, boys, it's closer to 50% at that age. By the end of high school, most kids will have seen a naked photo on Snapchat from someone else, which is why my kids don't use Snapchat. Um, I mean, the world is completely changing. And the culture seems more and more hostile to people of faith, too. If, if your worldview is centered on your faith, there is literally not a media outlet on television that caters to you as part of a news program uh, where the presuppositions of the, of the evening news or the daily newscast is centered on your worldview, a faithful worldview of why things are happening in the world. 
There's nothing helping you guide your family through a culture increasingly hostile to it. Um, there, there's no one out there on TV really helping you guide your kids through the world without losing them to the world. Uh, it's just, it's not there. It doesn't exist. And I, I pitched a show to Fox on the weekend uh, covering these topics, focusing on this, a, a news program really focusing on parents of kids who are living in the 21st century don't want to lose their kids to the world and, and the culture war. And I would like to think we may still talk about it and, and have been told that they would still like to talk about it. Uh, but otherwise, I told them I didn't want to stay as a contributor. And the, last week, their lawyer called and also said they didn't want to keep me as a contributor. And they really don't have a place for me. I'm just not needed. I'm not useful. There is a bias uh, for in-studio guests at every network, including Fox. I'm very blessed to have a home studio. I don't get to New York regularly. I don't want to with uh, my family situation. So, I mean, there's no animosity there. They're a very good network. They've treated me very well for five years, but it's time to move on. And I really, while I wouldn't mind, I and I, I frankly, I need the income to be a contributor somewhere else. The, the social media consensus is that I should have a cooking show on HLN and then do Morning Joe appearances. Uh, Joe Scarborough says I should just have a cooking show on Morning Joe and be done with it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'm looking at options. Uh, prayers appreciated because it is half our family income gone at the end of January, and it's going to be rough. Um, but it's the right thing to do, and I really would love to figure out a way to do this. I've got a couple of things in the works kind of focusing on this. Uh, because I really think it's needed. I, I mean, I spend a lot of time worrying about my kids and the direction of culture and the direction of this world and, and where things are going in this world. There are people deeply hostile to your values and mine if you're someone of faith, and they largely control shaping the mainstream media these days, and that's not a good thing. It is, it's harder and harder increasingly to find a good outlet for people of faith. And I do have to tell you, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but I know there are people out there trying and they're trying to build alternative uh, information outlets for Christian conservatives. And I just find them all to be appallingly cheap looking and, and not very good. And uh, you get a lot of these Christian movies that come out and some of them are very, very good. Um, but then a lot of it is just dreadful stuff and Christians feel like they got to applaud and go watch it and support it when it's just, it's, it's a waste, I think. And I hate to be that way. I've got some friends involved in these projects. They know how I feel. They, they completely disagree with me, but I'm just not all that impressed. Um, but it is definitely becoming increasingly as, as my kids get older, a real passion of mine as I've been in seminary. In fact, I got invited, um, last week to leave my present seminary and transfer into a PhD program on public theology uh, and get a full scholarship. So I may be doing that, uh, which would be appropriate for something like this. I just, there's, there's a real, there, there's a void out there uh, and I would love to help fill it. Um, but I would, I would love to go somewhere else. I, my kids are desperate for me to go back to CNN because um, they love being able to go to the studio in Atlanta, although it's not as much as it used to be, but they loved going to CNN all the time with me and would desperately love for me to be back there. Um, I'm, I'm very open to ideas and have a couple of ideas in the works with others, but I'm just, I'm, I am very much focused on the fact that we've got a world increasingly hostile to our values, and there are really no news programs on TV out there uh, focusing on uh, families of faith, and that concerns me. By the way, um, before I, we, we jump to break uh, and deborts, um, I am starting to put together, I'm doing the Christmas Eve program here on WSB again this year. 
because uh, so many of you have demanded that I do it. I'm kind of forced to work. <laughs> Not a bad thing, um, but I will be, I will be doing it and we will run it um, throughout the weekend. And if you've got uh, your churches on iTunes or something and you want me to listen to some of the music, I'm happy to. Uh, I love, 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 love uh, the Surface of the Deep. In fact, it's kind of funny. Um, the folks involved with Surface of the Deep, uh, which is a, a church over outside of Athens, uh, they, they texted me the other email. I can't remember on uh, Twitter or Instagram or something and, and said, hey, I got something I want to send you. And they sent it and I didn't tell them I was already tracking down their Christmas stuff because I loved their Easter stuff last year so much and used it in the Good Friday show. Um, also, um, North Point, uh, we got some of their music in and a number of other great groups. Uh, all I'm trying to keep it local, Georgia, the music, the Christmas music. So if you got any recommendations, you send it my way, but you got to do it ASAP because I'm about to start putting it all together for the show. Um, and if you got any topics you want me to cover as well for the Christmas program, beyond the basics of Christmas, I got that covered. But if you got anything in particular, I am happy to consider it, uh, very much so. I saw on Twitter earlier today, there's a, um, a think tank guy up in North Carolina. I, I can't remember his name and it's not a, a conservative guy. It's one of those nonpartisan think tanks, but he was saying that, he was at a holiday party, not a Christmas party, at a holiday party over the weekend. And a Democratic lawmaker was there saying that uh, his biggest fear about the Republican tax proposal is that it works. Because, um, you know, a lot of people are opposed to it. It looks like more than 50% say they don't think they'll get a tax cut. In reality, everybody is getting a tax cut unless you got a, a home valued at more than $750,000 because then you're not going to be able to write off 100% of the mortgage interest. It's really funny to see Democrats outraged about this. When did they become the party of the rich? I thought that was the GOP, according to them. In any event, um, Charlie put this uh, in my stack of stuff today from CNBC. The Dow Jones Industrial Average just did something it's never done in its 121-year history. The 30-stock average is now up more than 5,000 points in a year, marking its biggest annual points gain ever. The fo this follows a 140-point rally Monday, which sent it to an all-time high. The Dow also notched a record close for the 70th time this year, which is another milestone. To put this into perspective, it means that about one of every four trading sessions this year has been a record close for the index. The Dow, S&P 500, and NASDAQ have all had banner years rising 25.5%. The S&P 500 and NASDAQ are up 20.2%, 29.9% respectively. That is huge. And I hate to be the 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 glasses um, half full or half empty here, guy. That the pessimist. That I just wonder what goes up must come down. And and I think that the tax reform package could actually sustain the economy because I think just cyclically, it has nothing to do with the president. Just cyclically, we're on the verge of an economic downturn. I would think, um, just given timing and, and years past since the start and end of the last recession. And I just never feel like we've gotten out of the last one, even though we have. Uh, but it worries me when I read stories like this. It really does worry me, and maybe it shouldn't. Um, but everyone did say the stock market was going to crash after the president got elected, and it hasn't thus far. Just like, where is the mass violence outbreak in the Middle East? Where is the mass violence? Because we were told there would be mass violence. There hasn't been. Um, I, I just, I'm, it, I'm continuing to be befuddled. Listen, I, I'm one of those people who doesn't want to undermine experts because I do think there are people who are experts in their field and should be listened to, but it seems like a lot of people are just mouthing off these days and claiming the veneer of expertise when they don't really have it. And 
this is another one of those situations. But gosh, I got to tell you, every time I read these stories, I keep thinking, when are we going to have the next crash? And I know I shouldn't do that, but I do anyway. Uh, now, I've got to go take my wife out for her birthday this evening. Uh, I woke up this morning and was almost got slayed. And then she was in the garage sitting in her car uh, text messaging friends. And I laid on the couch and I actually fell back asleep. And so when she came in, I totally forgot to wish her happy birthday. And then the kids got home from school. I said, did y'all wish mom happy birthday? And the one said, no, when is it? <laughs> I said, today. And there's like, oh, goodness, I forgot. And I went out and I ordered her a present weeks ago. Uh, and had to go pick it up this afternoon. So uh, we're all squared away now, but I got her nice topaz necklace. Um, anyway, I got to go take her to dinner now. So you guys have a good night, and I'll see you tomorrow.